Good morning. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and this is Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. We're on day 353 of our three-year journey through God's Word. We come to Judges 16 as we've been in the story of Samson for a few chapters now in Judges. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we look to his Word again today. Father in heaven, thank you for your Word. Please teach us and help us to receive what you would have for us through your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges chapter 16. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went in to her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, so that we may bind him to humble him, and we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and how you may be bound that one could seduce you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson! But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it is touches the fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Samson said, Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web, 
And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our god has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And there, when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about... 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grabbed the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned all his weight against them, then his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael, in the tomb of Manoah his father, he had judged Israel twenty years. So we come now to like the single most famous story of the single most famous judge. And it's the story of Samson and Delilah. But before the story of Samson and Delilah, chapter 16 opens 
by showing us again sort of how far Samson has fallen away from the Lord. He goes to, to Gaza and he goes to a prostitute there. So he's it wasn't bad enough that he married a Philistine woman when he should have married an Israelite woman. But instead, now he's going down to a prostitute and uh, a Philistine prostitute in Gaza. And while he's there, they're going to jump him. They're going to ambush him. But he actually gets up and takes the, the gate of the city and the two posts and he pulls them up and he puts them on his shoulders and, it, and he carries them up the hill that is in front of Hebron. Now, let me just show you a map to give you some orientation to where we are. So earlier in the book of Judges, we had primarily been up north when we've been dealing with a lot of the earlier stories of the Judges. Um, but now we've come down south and this area in, in the southern, southwestern part of Israel, this green section, is the area of Judah, the tribe of Judah. And over here against the coast, toward the coast, you see Gaza, and then you see Ashkelon, right, and Ekron. These are the major cities of the Philistines. And then Hebron is here, and there's a hill in front of Hebron. So you see the road that goes from Gaza to Hebron. Hebron's on the other side of a hill. So he t carries the, the gate of the city of Gaza, he carries it up the hill. That's, that's long, that's far, okay? Um, you can see the little scale here. That's probably about 20 miles, 15 to 20 miles. Um, and he's carrying this gate uphill, and then he gets to the top of the hill and he drops it and he goes down to Hebron. So this, this is where this action is taking place, is down here in this southern area uh, of the Philistines and the Judahites. And of course, David is going to come from Judah and be the great king who's going to defeat the Philistines. But this is giving you a little bit of context as to where we are and uh, where these things are, are taking place. But um, what we have here from, <clears throat> excuse me, what we have here with the story of Delilah is something that has been, I think, much misunderstood even by believers over the years. And that is, you kind of wonder, like, what's the Captain Obvious question here? It is, why in the world would he tell Delilah how to take away his strength? Right? I mean, we get the idea that uh, Samson was raised by parents who never really told him no, right? And so he was used to being able to sort of whine and pester and, and force his way to getting what he wanted from his parents. And that's how he got a Philistine wife because they weren't willing to just say, no, we're not going to do that. That violates God's law. They, they eventually gave in. And we saw that with his wife, his, his, his um, wife, his Philistine wife, she was able to pester him and eventually get him to tell her the secret. And so we get that he's kind of been conditioned for this. So the more you give into a sin, the more that you habituate yourself to compromise, you are going to compromise yourself more and more. And so it, it gets to the point where because he loves Delilah and she's beautiful and he's got a weakness for women, uh, especially Philistine women, for whatever reason, uh, she's able to wear him down. But I also think there's another something going on here, and that is that even believers can sometimes make it too much about the hair and miss the fact that there's actually much more going on here than just the hair. So Samson, I believe, doesn't think the Lord will really leave him and really take away his strength or 
maybe to put it another way, he doesn't believe that he'll really be helpless without his hair. Now, as a Nazarite, Samson was required to do much more than just not cut his hair. He was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. He was called by God, chosen by God, anointed by God, and he was supposed to be dedicated to God. He wasn't supposed to go near any dead bodies or eat things, obviously, that came out of dead body, like the honey from the lion. He wasn't supposed to have any wine, alcohol, or anything that had to do with grapes. And here he's at these wedding feasts, and you get the idea that he's drinking it up and living it up. And, you know, he's supposed to keep himself pure. He's very, very far from that, right? So he's broken just about every aspect of his Nazarite vow, except one. He has not cut his hair. Now, I'm not sure if Samson, you kind of read between the lines, but you have to be sort of careful about how much you read into things. I'm not sure if Samson is, is presumptuous here and thinks, I don't really need the Lord. I'm Samson. I'm great. I'm strong. I'm powerful. I've disobeyed the Lord and been dishonorable to the Lord. And I've always still been able to come out on top if he's become sort of that way. Or if he thinks, God's not going to abandon me. He'll be faithful to me no matter what, because I'm the special one. I'm the chosen one. And even if they cut my hair, you know, I've drunk wine and I've eaten things out of dead animals and I've killed so many people and God still uses me. He's still going to use me. But I do think it's clear from the text, what doesn't reading between the lines, is that even though he tells her all of his heart, and this is true, he was not supposed to cut his hair. But I don't think he really believes that if his head is shaved, his strength will leave him because they come in, they shave off the locks from off of his heads, and then she begins to torment him and his strength leaves him. We don't know exactly what she begins to torment him means. It could be a euphemism for male-female activities. Um, It could just be that she's like, you know, messing around with him, chasing him around, getting him to chase her around. Whatever it is, but he is, he is, he has to be awake and aware of the fact that he doesn't have his hair. And then he goes to sleep and she wakes him up from his sleep and he says, the Philistines are upon you. And he says, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. He still thinks even without his hair. He's going to go out, as at other times, and shake himself free. He did not know that more than just his hair leaving him, the Lord had left him. And when his hair grows back, sometimes people put too much weight on, but the hair of his head began to grow. And even believers can read into this and have sort of magical uh, associations with the hair. As in somehow, as long as his hair wasn't cut, he was He-Man, master of the universe. Uh, but if his hair was cut, whoa, once his hair grew back, it's not really the hair growing back. He calls upon the Lord. And the Lord is provoked by the, the talk of the Philistines. This is recorded for a very good reason. Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Our God has given our enemy into our hand. So there challenging. They're saying that Dagon is greater than Yahweh. And Samson calls on the Lord. It's not a great prayer. It's not a biblically sound, theologically correct, noble-hearted prayer, 
But he does call to the Lord, Yahweh, and he says, O Adonai Yahweh, O Master Yahweh, O Lord God Almighty, please remember me and please strengthen me. O this, only this once, O God. And I've been talking about these names, but just look at it here in verse 28, middle of your screen. He uses all three major biblical names for God. O Lord, that first one is Adonai, capital L, lowercase l-o-r-d, that's Adonai, means master, king, ruler. The second one, God in all caps. Anytime you see that all caps, that's Yahweh, right? Most of the time you see it as all caps, Lord, Yahweh, and then G-O-D with the lowercase O-N-D, and then it's, and then it's Elohim, it's Yahweh Elohim. But this is a, an unusual structure, Adonai Yahweh, our Lord Yahweh, our Master Yahweh, my Master Yahweh. And then he calls him, strengthen me, O God, O Elohim, which talks about God's might and power. So he does use all three major names of God. Lord Adonai speaks of God's sovereignty. Yahweh, the great I am, speaks of his covenant faithfulness and unchanging nature. And Elohim, God, speaks to his power and strength. And he calls upon the Lord. And it is the Lord that fills him with the strength to be able to pull down the temple of Dagon and kill 3,000 plus of the Philistines. So it is the Lord who does this and not Samson's hair. So we need to make sure we're not distracted and don't get caught up in some superstitious uh, fascination with the length of, of hair follicles. It is always the Lord who grants the victory. And so what we see in the end is, as weak as Samson was, as unfaithful as Samson was, as corrupt as Samson was, God still used him to accomplish his purposes, which was to weaken the Philistines and loosen their grip over the Judahites a bit. Now, final deliverance from the Philistines is going to have to wait until David comes along um, and then ultimately, final deliverance from the enemies of God's people is going to have to wait until the greater son of David, the greatest judge, comes, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I find an encouragement here that the Lord remains with his people. You may be someone who's wandered from the Lord, or more likely, maybe you have a family member, a child, a grandchild, a nephew, a cousin, a brother, a sister, who's wandered far from the Lord. But they're never beyond the reach of God's grace. They're never beyond the touch of his power. Keep praying for them that God will turn their hearts back. Because maybe at the most unlikely of times, their hearts will turn back to the Lord. And the Lord will be pleased to save them. I think that's what God's putting on my heart for us to get from this today. He is in control. He is working out his holy will, even in the midst of sinful disobedience. And keep praying because as long as they're still alive, there's still hope that God might restore them. Think about how low Samson had sunk. He was a blinded slave of the Philistines, serving in the temple of a false god after having lain with a prostitute and after giving his heart to an unfaithful woman who was in it for the money. And yet God was gracious to him. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your grace that is greater than our sin and for your redemption that reaches farther than our rebellion. Save those we know and love who are not walking with you. Turn their hearts back to you, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for Judges 16. Tomorrow we'll be back in 2 Timothy, picking up with 2 Timothy chapter 2. Have a blessed day in the Lord.